Come on, let's give the Lord a round of applause. Let's do that. I probably need to give you a fair warning. You know, it's been about seven months since I've preached live, so I'm going to be here for a while today. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that to you. But I am thrilled to be here. Let me introduce a little bit of where I'm going today. Uh, This is a a really big day for me personally. Seven months ago, seven months ago, church as we have known it for the last 28 years as your lead pastor, these last 28 years, was turned upside down and inside out. And quite honestly, we're still not out of the woods quite yet. But we're gaining ground. Come on, man. We're gaining ground. And I am so thankful for that. Today, I am so honored that I am able to preach live today. This is crazy. This is a wonderful thing. But I am honored to be able to preach live today. And then in two weeks, as has already been mentioned, we want you to hear this over and over again. Two weeks from today, we are going to be going live. We will be live. In those two weeks, we'll be all in. There will be live worship, live preaching, live church online, and that's going to be in October, October 18th at the 10 o'clock service. And everything is going to be done in here. We're, we're, just, we're just really rip-roaring ready to go. And I want to let you know, I don't know what you think about this, but I think, I think that there's just something special that comes from heaven when, when the church comes together. There's something about this, something about the church coming together for worship, coming for the Word of God, and even, even, I believe, for our offerings. And I want to thank you for your giving. These months that we've been dealing with this, this hasn't been easy for you. Some of you have may, may have lost your job. I don't know all of the details of all of our church, but the fact of the matter is it's been a challenge. And I, all I know is, is that our God is a good God. Can somebody give me amen? Amen. He is a good God. He really is. I am so glad that all of you are here today. Some of you, there may be those who are here for the very first time. I welcome you, man. I'm so glad that you're with us. We're thrilled that you're with us. Maybe you're someone who came to visit and you're not too sure about God. Maybe you're not too sure about the church or maybe you're not too sure about what uh, the Bible has to say. But I want to thank you for being with us. And I'm grateful for all the regular attenders. And I know that we're way, way, way down numerically. But there's a lot of people. You heard some of the stats. There's a lot of people who are watching online as well. And we're just so grateful. So grateful for our online online family that's being a part of all of this today. We began a, a series three weeks ago entitled, Believer, Be Encouraged. Believer, be encouraged. Well, the fact of the matter is, we called it a three-week mini-series, but the truth is, is that now we're going to probably be five weeks. So hang with me, hang with me, we're, we're going to make this a five-week series. I'm excited about all of that as well. Last week when I began the series, um, the, the message I was sharing with you that day, I found in 1 Chronicles 12, 32, that there was a group of Israelites who understood the times that they lived in, and they knew what to do. Did you hear that? I think this is a promise that can come our way from God. And it says in the word of God, he says that, that there were, there were a, a group of Israelites who understood the times that they lived in and they knew what to do. Now listen, it is important to understand the seasons that we live in and to know how to take the right action, take the right steps. I'm going to say this to you today. I'm going to say this each time I'm speaking with this message, this series that we're dealing with. I want to let you know, I really, really do believe that we are at the beginning of the end. I really do. I really, really believe that we are at the the beginning of the end of how we know this world and how much time we have left on this planet. 
And I truly believe that for a lot of reasons, for a lot of reasons, even, even how the signs of the end of times are being fulfilled right now, Right now, things are being fulfilled prophetically that has been said years and hundreds and thousands of years ago. Things are happening right now. Those signs that, that are being fulfilled right now and, and how many other signs are already, have already been fulfilled. You and I need to, to have a clear biblical perspective on the days and the times that we are living in right now. We need to understand what's going on right now. I challenge you to go into the Word of God and begin to read and find out what God's Word has to say regarding the last days and the last times. You and I need to be a part of that. And, uh, and that means that you need to see it through the lens of the Scripture, what the Word of God says. So that's why I'm saying to you, my friend, come on, grab your Bibles and begin to read it. No matter who you may be, whether you're online with us right now or wherever it is, you and I need to be seeking out what God says within His Word. And if you're a believer... None of this should scare you. As far as I'm concerned, talking about the last days, talking about the end, we don't know when it's going to happen. Give me an amen. We don't know when it's going to happen, but the fact is we shouldn't be afraid. We should be excited. We should be excited that there's not going to be no more toil or problems. We're going to go to a place where there's going to be joy forever, the Word of God says, and a whole lot more than just that. Wonderful things, wonderful things that are in store for us. Just so you know, Jesus talked a lot He talked a lot about the last days. He talked a lot about the end of times. Go with me to to Matthew chapter 24. A couple of scriptures that we used before last week, a couple weeks back when I was teaching, and it says these words, Matthew 24, 12. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. The love of most will grow cold. What we see within the scriptures is that at the end of time, at the end of time, you're going to see an increase of wickedness. It's going to get worse. I don't know what you feel, what you're thinking, what you've seen on the news. I don't know where you may be at politically. I'm not here to debate that whatsoever today. What I'm here to talk about is biblically. What does the Bible have to say about these things? And the fact of the matter is, we know the scripture says over and over again that it's going to get worse before it gets better for us. There's going to be more challenges, more difficulty. There will be an increase of wickedness, the Bible says. There's going to be a lot of bad That's going to continue on until the end of time. Because of the increase of wickedness for believers, their love and even their passion for God, because of how wicked it will be, is going to, they're going to grow cold. They'll grow cold. And of course, as your pastor, that concerns me. I've had a lot of concerns over these last seven months, thinking about you, praying for you, wondering how you're doing making sure things are going all right. I've been in contact with many. Many people have uh, shot messages and stuff to Marianne and I and all of that. It's been very important. It concerns me. I still have a lot of concerns for where people may be at. And over these last few months, I know it's been hard. I know it's been hard for so many people. And I know it's hard because right now, everything bad is up. Everything bad is up right now. In other words, studies are telling us that addictions are rising in double-digit figures every month. Every month, bad things are up right now. Alcoholism is rising. Pornography is rising. Domestic uh, abuse is rising. Even in our military, our brave men and women who are protecting our, our nation. Suicide is up 20% in our, mili- in our military. 20%. 
Everything bad is up right now. But Jesus says, Jesus says in Matthew 24, 14, he says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached. Come on, give me an amen. Amen. And this gospel will be preached in, in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And then the end will come. I think that Jesus saying these words for Randy Chiz, I think it's a little bit of a bone that's coming our way. I choose to to look at this as Jesus throwing a bone toward us because he's looking to encourage us. I know that I've got good news, really good news about the conclusion of it all, but between the conclusion and where we're at right now, it can be challenging. It will be challenging. It will be difficult. And Jesus is telling us, he's saying to us in uh, Matthew 24, 14, he says that, but the gospel will be preached. You and I, you and I are going to also see the increase of the moving of the Holy Spirit. There's going to be a great work of God. Jesus is making clear there's going to be something great even in the midst of all of the terrible. And that is is that, that there is going to be a great move of the Holy Spirit. The power and the work of the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out. There's a scripture in Zechariah, Zechariah 4.16. Most of you know it by memory. I do. So if you want to say it with me when I say it, go ahead. And the word of God declares that it's not by might. Come on. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. Give me an amen. That's a good word. A good word. Last week, I, I spoke on the dangers of Christians falling away. The last time I spoke was about the fact of Christians who would be falling away. And it scares me. It scares me. It really does. It scares me of people who are knocking on the door of heaven right now. And because of all that's taking place, they're going to walk away. They just may walk away and not move toward that. So we talked about the dangers of falling away. Today, I want to speak on the opportunity. Listen to this. The opportunity of non-believers getting saved. I want to speak today for all of us, online, all of us here right now, I want to speak about the opportunity of believers getting saved. Now, as I say these words, I, I honestly feel these things that I'm telling you, but I feel a little bit of pushback. I didn't get one single amen. I didn't get somebody, oh, thank God that's going to be happening today. I didn't get any of that. I didn't get any of that. And I understand that there's going to be a little, push, a little bit of pushback because a lot of us feel uncomfortable about reaching people who are far from God. A lot of us as believers, as followers of Christ, have a bit of a problem of, of reaching out to unbelievers. So maybe somebody's thinking out loud right now, and maybe your thoughts would be something like this. The truth is, PR, is that with all of the pandemic, the riots, the destruction, the death, these past six months alone, PR, I don't know if we should do this. I don't know if we should go down this road today. I don't know if this is the time to do this. If you would please, church, if you would allow me to just share just a little bit of thought behind all of that. Over the, over the last 28 years, the last, I can say this because I've been here for 20, 28. Over the last 28 years, we have had great success. Great success in reaching people for Christ in and through Word of Life Church. Even in their hard times. Even in their hard times. And I even understand and agree with the temperature of the nation that you're talking about. It's rather high right now. I get it. I really get it. But can I tell you, can I tell you, regardless, regardless, we have to do all we possibly can to reach them. Come on, somebody get a little bit excited about that. We have to do all we possibly can to reach them. 
Now, I understand that a lot of us as believers, you know, I, I, I know we have, a, have had negative experiences of going to a neighbor, a friend, a family member, whoever they may be in your life, and when you talk about Jesus, talk to them about Jesus at all, it just seems to be a little bit of a bad experience. I also know that, that people who are trying to reach uh, other believers or unbelievers, uh, I, I understand that many of you are shy. You, you've never done anything like this. You've never, you've never walked towards somebody. You've, you've not been confident to be able to do that. You're intimidated by all of that. Maybe the thought would be, well, what do I say if they start asking me questions in the Bible that I don't have an answer for? Well, hopefully in these next 20 minutes or less, and I'm going to go for the or less if I can, hopefully in the next 20 minutes or less, I want to give you, I want to give you hope to overcome these fears with a great confidence that your God, your heavenly father will give you the confidence and the passion to do all that you can and all that we can seeing our family and friends and everybody else that we would know and not even know yet coming to know Christ and their lives being forever changed. I want to make it as simple as I can for you. And I think it's going to be life changing. Honestly, if you're a Christian, you cannot deny that this is not part of the, of the Christian calling. We are called by God to reach people who are far from God. You and I need to share, we need to share um, our faith with them, that they would know Christ and know who he is as Lord and Savior. Simply because there is no other plan. There is no other plan that God has than what I've just said to you. There's no other plan. If you're a Christian, you and I need to share our faith. I'm going to talk more about this. It's going to be simple. It's going to be easy. And I think it's going to be life-changing. You can't escape the fact that this is part of the Christian life. We're called by God to do this. I say it again. We are to share our faith. And I want, I want to make this very easy for you. Jesus said, Jesus said in Matthew 24, he says, and this gospel is going to be preached. And this gospel is going to be preached. So maybe the question some of us may have is, what does gospel mean? What does gospel mean? What is the word gospel? Well, let me explain it to you. I, I do not fully understand Greek, so I don't want to sound like I'm taking this information from uh, Church of the Highlands, I think, what I'm talking to you about right now. So I, I need a lot of help from a lot of churches. Come on, it's okay to say amen, Pastor. We understand that. So I'm, I'm pulling some of this stuff right now, but this is what, this is what Chris says, and I, I just think is incredible. What is the gospel? Well, the word gospel is actually a made-up English word. For the Greek word, the Greek word is you and galeon. You and galeon. That's the Greek word. The U, the E-U, that's how you spell it. The E-U, the U uh, part of that starts starts um, with this Greek word is where we get the word like eulogy. That word eulogy. The E-U, the E-U part means, it means I've got some good news. I've got something good to share with you. Sort of like a funeral. I have a funeral that I'm doing at three o'clock this afternoon of, of one of our men of our church who passed went home to be with the Lord on uh, a couple days ago. I can't remember the exact days. And that's, that's Willie, um, who went to be with the Lord. 
And uh, I, so I have a funeral. But you know what I mean when I'm talking about at a funeral, when we go to a funeral, one of the things that we really feel obligated to do, and I think it's the right thing to do, is to tell others about how good this person was. The things that they were good at, the things that they loved, all of that stuff. It's, it's, it's uh, something good that is being shared that we're telling, we're telling everybody else on. Uh, it's, a, it's called a eulogy. But the angelion, those last words of that, angelion, is where we get the word angel. We get the word angel, angelion. And it means that it's not, uh, it's not only something good that we're going to say. It means not that it's just something good that we're going to say. In fact, let me say it this way. It's not just a good message, but it's a good messenger. It's not just a good message, but it is a good messenger is what that word really means, what that really means. So what the gospel is, is a great message. It's a great message. Maybe you're here today and you've never been to church. You've never opened your heart to Christ. Maybe you're online with us today and, and you're, you're just looking, you're searching. Listen, there's good news that comes from, from God's word. It, it's a good message. It's, it's good word. For, for example, God loves you with an everlasting love. That's a good word to know. That's a good thing to understand. Or, for by grace you are saved through faith. That's a good word. So that's what it's talking about. The message, it's not only just a great word, but it's a, it's a great message as well. Jesus is letting us know that we have the best news on the planet. We have the best news on the planet. We have truth, we have hope, and we have confidence. Even in the middle of all of what we're dealing with nowadays, even in the middle, of, we've got the best message ever. But the message that works, listen to this, but the message that works doesn't matter if it doesn't have a person who shares the message. Let me say it again. But the message that works doesn't matter if it doesn't have the person who shares the message. We need messengers. We need messengers. God is looking for messengers. We need we need messengers, and that's you, and that's me. And I'm here to tell you, man, there is no other plan. There is no other plan that God has. There's no, there's no plan B for all of this at all. So let's dig a little bit deeper. Let's go deeper again as we're moving forward through all my pages here. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 52. I love this, Isaiah chapter 52. This is just great. I don't know if you know this or not, but Isaiah saw you. The prophet Isaiah, thousands of years ago, he saw you. He saw me. He saw the church. He saw the church and was filled with people. He saw a church. He saw a church that would be spreading the gospel, the good news. And in Isaiah 52, verse 7, I give you the first two words first, and it says this, how beautiful this is Isaiah the prophet. He's being inspired by the Spirit of God to share what he is sharing. And he says these words. He says, how beautiful. How beautiful. What's he talking about, Pastor? What is, he, is he talking about the mountains, the streams? Is he talking about the rivers? No. He's talking about you. He's talking about you and he's talking about me. We read here in Isaiah 52, 7. Let me read the whole thing. And it says these words. How beautiful, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say, uh, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Your God reigns. How beautiful are your feet 
who bring good news. How beautiful are your feet? How beautiful you are on our, our church line, uh, uh, online. I just, how beautiful, how beautiful are your feet when you bring good news? Listen, to God, seeing you and me in action, reaching people who are far from God, just so you know, to God, this is the most beautiful thing that he could see. This is the most exciting thing that God, our Father, who has put together a plan for all people to be saved, and it's easy, it's easy to get saved, it's easy to give your life to Jesus. You need to begin by believing is how it happens. So we find here that he sees us reaching people who are far from God, and just so you know, (coughs) just so you know, To God, this is the most beautiful thing in the whole world that he could ever see. Because my friend, our our God has a plan for people's lives. Our God has got this. Even in, in all the upheaval that we're dealing with right now, our God still reigns. He reigns. No matter how bad it's looking, no matter how bad it's going to get in the future, he still reigns. He is still in charge. He is still in control. You and I are part of his plan. He loves every one of you with an everlasting love, God says. An everlasting love he has for you and he has for me. I just love what Matthew chapter 18 and 2 Peter chapter 3 says these words. And it says, it says these words. It says that God is not willing that any should perish. That's the mindset of God. He says that no one would perish. He's made a plan. He's made a way for everybody to get saved. And he says he's willing that none would perish. And uh, he's not mad at you. He's not, he's not against you. He's not angry with anything with you and I. We can't, we can't give the message if we don't accept the challenge that we need to be that messenger. He's given it to us and he's given it, he wants to give it to all of those who are outside of the kingdom of God right now to know Christ, to know Jesus. Pastor Rick Warren Pastor Rick Warren offers us, by the way, he's a pastor out of Saddleback, California. Many of you know him. But he offers for us four easy steps, simple steps, four easy, simple steps. How many like simple and easy? I, I like simple and easy. I'm a simple guy. And, uh, and he wants to give us four sim- simple steps on being a messenger. So let's talk about that. I have four points, and it's going to go quickly. Four points. Point number one is accept, accept the personal responsibility Accept the personal responsibility. You need to know, you need to know. I've said it already a few times, but you need to know. You are God's plan. You are God's plan. Wherever you're streaming in from, you are God's plan. God has a plan for every single one. You are God's plan, and God doesn't have a plan B. You're it. Your plan B. His plan A was his son. Now it's you and I. It's what we are to be doing. If the, world is going to, if the world is going to get good news, the only way, the only way your family, the only way your friends and uh, your children, your brothers, your sisters, your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents, your neighbor, your best friend forever, your co-workers, your classmates, the only way, the only way your family and friends will ever know God is through you and me ultimately giving them the good news. It's through us. It's what we're called by God to do. And there is no plan B. There is no other way that God's going to do this. It's through us. Go with me to Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. And it says these words. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Jesus makes it perfectly clear. We don't have a message problem. 
We don't have a message problem. Jesus says the harvest is, is full. The harvest is plentiful. There's plenty to do. There's plenty to reach. There's plenty to win. There's plenty to receive the good news. The church doesn't have a harvest problem, but the church does have a worker problem. That's the problem we have. The church doesn't have a harvest problem, but we do have a worker problem. Every one of you who are here today that you're saved, <coughs> every one of you, I know most of you, we don't have the whole church here right now, at least right in, in, in this space, but the fact of the matter is every single person who is here today that is saved, you got saved because somebody told you about Jesus. Somebody did that. Somebody told you what Jesus did on the cross. Somebody told you what Jesus did. You could have been this high. You could be just learning how to read or whatever. And somebody told you as a little, little kid, God loves you. And that planted a seed that something began to happen in your life. Jesus was telling us, people are ready. People are ready. People are ready is what he is saying. And what that means is, is that the God of heaven can see the vast number of people, a vast, vast, vast number of people who are lost, who are broken, who are deceived, who are hopeless, who are addicted, who are fearful. They're lost. And they are ready for the real deal. They can see it. They know what they're experiencing right now. And they're looking. They're searching. They want to be able to find the real deal in their lives. And I'm saying the real deal because it's important. I want to share with you very quickly, a number of years ago, I've been here 28 years as pastor, and, and, uh, and I've brought in evangelists. I have some good evangelists. Randy Ruiz is one of my favorites, and we've brought him here for many years. He didn't, wasn't able to come this year on Palm Sunday, but uh, Randy Ruiz is a good... But in my years here, I had two, mission, two uh, evangelists that I brought in. They were highly recommended. I brought them in. And the two of them, in the middle of the service, you may, you may have been here, you may not, but I walked down the aisle and I said, you're done. Get out of here. I don't like what you're saying. You're not welcome here anymore. Leave. I did that twice. I did that twice. That's how serious I am because I know that people, they're looking for the real deal. They're not looking for the scams. They're not looking for the hypocrites. People are hurting very badly right now. People need someone to bring them the good news. Talk about good news. Let me just share with you what happened with me recently. In the last few weeks, I had received a phone call from a family who were facing the worst of the worst that any family could ever possibly face. And that was the, the loss of their, one of their children. In fact, it was an adult son who had passed away with no warnings whatsoever, no sign. And man, they were devastated. This mother and father were absolutely devastated. I sort of understand what they were going through in those moments and in that time. And honestly, um, as I was with them, I, I want to let you know we had never met before. I never knew them before. They're coming to me and they're telling me their son is now dead. And they're talking to me about this. And I want to let you know there wasn't any pushback. They, they, weren't, they weren't saying to me, I don't want you to talk to me about Jesus. I don't want you to. They didn't say any of that stuff. They didn't do any of that whatsoever. But they listened. And they asked questions. And they wanted somehow or another to, to have peace again coming back into their lives. And uh, what ended up happening between them and I is that I led them and, in fact, the entire family to Jesus. Every one of them received Christ as Lord. God is so good. I share about the pushback because some of us are, you know, they just lost their son. They just lost their husband. Their, uh, what do you say? What do you do? There's nothing you can say. There's nothing you can do. It's over for them. It's over for that. 
but now what God can do in those who are still left behind. Because it's the plan of God. He wants to have people give them a hope to be able to get to the other side of whatever it is that people are facing, whatever that may be for, for them. Jesus tells us in Luke 10, 2, I read it just a moment ago, <clears throat> uh, that we are, we are the, the, the one who would have the words of life. We have the words of life. We have the words of life. And we are to accept the responsibility to bring them the good news. This is our calling by God. And there is no other plan. There is no other plan. Point number two. Point number two is develop a personal relationship. Develop a personal relationship. Point number one is accept the personal responsibility. Number two is develop a personal relationship. A lot of believers miss this as as far as I'm concerned. A lot of believers think you just need to tell them what you know. When you meet that person, you know they're far from God. Just go up and start telling them everything you know. Get right in their face and maybe tap on their chest as they're talking to them. Tell them everything you know. Well, I don't even need to go any further, but you know that's wrong, I say. Don't you dare do it. If you do that, I'm going to tackle you. Don't you dare do anything like that. A lot of believers think that that's what we're supposed to do. You just tell them what they need to do. But the truth is, of the matter is, is that people really don't care what you know. They don't care. But people want to know that you care for them is really what they want to know. So we need to get into a relationship where we need to connect before we correct. We need to get into a relationship with people who are far from God. This is good stuff now. We need to connect before we correct. Our nation right now is in great peril. Great peril. People want to fight over everything, over every issue that's out there. People are filled with hatred. People are filled with violence and fear and confusion. But listen to your pastor today. Listen to your pastor, please. I'm asking you, please, just connect with people. Just connect. Just connect with them. Connect with them before we correct them. Don't try to point out whatever wrong anybody has. We all have wrong. We're, none of us are perfect. That's not the point. If you follow the Jesus model, Jesus always connected before he corrected. He always did that. Come on, let your mind just begin to think about some of the stories in the New Testament about what Jesus was dealing with people. He would always connect before he would correct anybody. Always did that. Jesus gave people grace before he presented to them the truth that they needed to know. He did it perfectly every time. Every time he did it perfectly. Remember Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, he was a tax collector. He was a terrible tax collector. He was a short little guy, was he, was he? He was a short little guy, was he? He stole lots of money. He stole lots of money, and and, uh, all of a sudden, he heard that Jesus is coming to town. He found out that Jesus is coming to town. So this short little guy, who was a terrible uh, tax collector, decided he was going to climb up a tree and see if he could see Jesus when Jesus comes walking into town. And when Jesus saw him, guess what Jesus said to him first? Guess what he said to Zacchaeus first? Hey, Zacchaeus, you want to go to lunch? That's all he did. That's all that he did. Zacchaeus went to lunch with Jesus. And when that lunch appointment was over, I wish I could hear what he was talking about. But when that lunch was over, he gave back three, 
three times everything that he had ever stolen from anyone because Zacchaeus came out as a changed man. We see within the scriptures, you connect before you correct. I have a scripture here found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 22 <coughs> that will back this up as well. The Living Bible says this, when I am with those whose conscience bother them easily, I don't, I don't act as though I know it all and I, and I don't say that they are foolish. The result is, is that they are willing to let me help them. What, yes, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground. Have you ever done that before? We need to connect with people. Find time, uh, find, um, uh, what was it? Common ground is what we're supposed to find. I, you know, I've been, I've been a pastor for a lot of years. I've been, I, I, I've, I've been a power lifter for a number of years. I, I have uh, uh, Corvettes and cars. I'm, I'm a car guy. And listen, man, I, I'm going to be so transparent to you. I hope you believe me. Those other things that I just told you I did, that doesn't matter to me. If those are gone tomorrow, they're gone tomorrow. It doesn't matter to me. But the opportunities that I've had in these years, nearly 50 years, this next year is my 50th anniversary of knowing Christ. My 50 years of following Jesus, I've had more opportunities to doing things, finding something in common, finding this. I was at West Point. I was a chaplain at West Point for, for five years, 1987 to 92. I came here in 92, into 92, and, and I'll never forget this. I, I didn't know anybody. I literally didn't know anybody in the community. The community outside of West Point is, is uh, I forget the name of it right now, but I'll get it in a minute. But anyhow, I, I'm walking around town trying to figure out what I can do, and I'm walking down the streets, I'm going, and it's very steep hills, I'm walking up and down the streets, and uh, I, I see this guy laying underneath his car. He's laying underneath his car, he's got a flashlight, and he's doing some work. I ended up getting down on my knee, and I'm, I'm on my belly, and I crawl underneath there. I've never met this guy before. I don't have any idea what his name was. And I looked at him, and I said, hey, what are you doing? And he looked at me, I, of course I startled him. He says, I said, what are you doing? He said, well, fixing my car, why, what are you doing? I said, well, I want two things. I want to know who you are, and I want to know if I can help you. If there's any, I'm not a great mechanic, but I can do some things. So all I'm saying here, according to the Scripture, if we can find common ground with people, we can have an impact into their lives. There's something that we can do. I love what John Maxwell says. He says these words. He says, I don't have to be like them to reach them, but I do have to like them. Say it again. John Maxwell, he's a great, great leader. He says, I don't, I, I don't have to like them to reach them, but I do have to like them. Number one, accept responsibility. Number two, develop a relationship. Number three, share your personal story. <laughs> share your personal story. Uh, this is where a lot of people um, miss evangelism as well, as far as I'm concerned. Most, most believers think uh, it, it's, it's pointing out what they could do differently. You know, always having an answer for them. You know, what, what they can do differently. Uh, things that they need to change. You know, I, I know you're reading the original King James Version, but if you went to the new King James Version, you don't have to tell them that. It's none of your business. Stop talking like that. All right, so let's keep moving. So anyhow, um, we, find, we find within the Scripture that really what God is telling us is to share our story. You've got a story, man. You and I, every one of us who are Christians today, you became a Christian because somebody talked to you. Somebody told you something about God. You may not remember all the details right now, but you know that there was a point where you made a decision to say yes to Jesus. You gave your life over to him. And we find within the word of God, we're, to, we're called by God to show our story. Let me read it to you scripturally. It says in 1 Peter chapter 3, 15, but sanctify the Lord your God in your hearts. Listen, and always be ready. 
and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Always be ready. Always be ready. Where are you going this afternoon? What are you doing tomorrow? What are you doing next week? What, what, what are you doing? Be ready to share that. Every one of you have a story to tell. You want to hear mine? Have you ever, anybody here ever heard of my story before? Well, good. I'm going to tell, there's about 11 who didn't raise their hand, so you're going to hear my story. A one-minute version of my story. On July 5th, 1971, in the south side of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 16 years old, raised Roman Catholic, I gave my life to Jesus. I was born again in the Catholic Church under the Catholic charismatic renewal that was taking place in the late 60s and early 70s. It was a great outpouring of God's Spirit, and I gave my life to Jesus. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Hallelujah. My fourth and final, last one. These are easy. Aren't these easy? This is really easy stuff. Number four is give a personal invitation. Cross the line, man. Cross the line. Give them a personal invitation. An invitation to church. An invitation to a small group. An invitation going out for coffee. Getting coffee and maybe having breakfast together. You and your buddy. You or your girlfriend. However that may be for you. Just go out, make the decision. Listen, people, all people need to know that God loves them. They need to know that. They're believing the lies of, certainly of the works of hell, but they're believing lies, the lies of others who sit back and say, God is horrible. There is no God. They're the ones who are doing everything they can to cause you, uh, cause them to never know God. But it's we who are the, the, the messengers, and it's you and I who should be sharing with them and let them know God loves you. God loves you. Never forget that. God loves you. At every funeral that I do, at the conclusion of that, I conclude my funeral the exact same way. I'm going to do that this afternoon. And I say there's two things, two reasons why Jesus came into this world. There's probably 22,000, 22 million reasons why Jesus came into this world, but he came for two reasons. Number one, he came to tell you that God's love for you is an everlasting love. In other words, he, there's nothing you can do where God will love you more or bad that you, or there's nothing bad you would do that God would love you less. And the second thing is, is that there is a real place called heaven. You and I have a story to tell, and we know that God has done these things for us. We find in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, because if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved, is what the scripture says. For for uh, with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. One confesses and is saved. I've shared all of this because I felt as soon as this thought came to my mind a couple weeks back, that this is, I know I was supposed to do this message because of what I'm going to tell you right now. And some of you know who I'm going to be talking about. A few years ago, I went to breakfast with an atheist. I don't want to have you raise your hand at all, but how many of you have ever talked with an atheist? Many of us don't. Many of us are intimidated. Many of us don't know how to respond whenever they ask questions, all of that. And I understand that. I get it. But I, uh, I went to breakfast with an atheist. In fact, he's a good friend of Michelle Catrone, who is our executive pastor here, executive pastor, executive uh, secretary here. <laughs> And, uh, and after talking with her, he agreed to go to breakfast with me. He agreed to go to breakfast with me. And I told him, 
I told them when we sat down, we, we went to a great little restaurant. It was early in the morning. I'm an early riser. He was too. So we met early in the morning. And um, <clears throat> I told him the first thing I said to him, I said, listen, I just want to let you know, I'm not going to lay any heavy Jesus stuff on you. I'm not going to just start preaching Jesus and make you feel uncomfortable. So please don't, please don't think that I'm going to be doing any of that with you. And do you know what he did? He ended up when we talked and got a little bit of acquaintance, getting to know each other a little bit, he said to me, he said to me, um, um, is there any chance, is there any chance that uh, maybe I could stop by the church sometime? Can I I swing by to see you? And uh, so he ended up, after telling me his story, he told me the entire story from beginning to end, and I want to let you know, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, I just really fell in love with this guy. I had a love for him. He, this is, he's not my brother yet. He's, he's an atheist. He doesn't believe in God. But when he told me his story and what he went through, I understood why he was so, so anti-God. And it was nothing but a bunch of lies on so many levels. So we, we began to talk about that. I want to let you know that this guy for, for weeks and weeks and months, months, was coming to church on Sunday still being an atheist. He sat over there almost every single Sunday and with his wife as well. Then he asked me if I would consider, because he had heard about what we do here at Word of Life. We're doing Learning to Follow, which is a one-on-one spiritual coaching that we will do with anybody who wants to understand some of the things of Jesus and the sons, uh, things of God. So we do that all the time here at Word of Life. And so um, he, ended up, he ended up being a part of all of that. And uh, it was really, really cool. So I'm going to stop right here, because rather than me tell you more about him, we, he got saved And he got water baptized, and we want to show you today this baptism video of my friend Colin, my brother. My name is Colin Hutchin, and this is my story. Before I knew Christ, I never believed in God. I was an atheist um, from a very young age. Um, I lost my dad when I was eight years old. We were on a fishing trip, and uh, I just figured if there was a God, that that wouldn't happen to me. So... um, I just went through life, you know, to a very old age, not believing in God. When I met Christ, I had been coming to Word of Life for a while. Um, I made some very poor choices in my life, my family life, and I was invited to come to Word of Life by Michelle Catrone. And I started coming um, and was attending for quite a while. and. And I asked Randy, Pastor Randy, to um, coach me in the Follow Me program. And I was still a non-believer doing that. Um, but he guided me through it and helped me. And I just kept coming to church and reading devotionals and praying. And uh, I was praying for a miracle in my life. And I received a miracle in my life. I, I got my family back. And, and um, I think I've become a better father, better husband. I think I'm more compassionate towards people. I still have a long way to go in my journey, no question about that, but um, I think it overall has made me a better person. You know, it's been good. It's been about two years since I raised my hand on Mother's Day here at Word of Life. I'm being baptized today to show my friends and family and the rest of the world that I'm making the next step in following Jesus, and I'm very happy to do so. 
Calling upon your confession of faith in Jesus, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't that great? It is just so incredible. As I close off, PR, what do you think caused Colin to give his life to Jesus that day? I think there's two things. Number one, in all sincerity, in all honesty, all the above that I just preached on is what I did with him. Went through each of those steps. Did the best that I could to follow those steps. And he received Christ as his Lord and Savior. Secondly, the second thing is, is that I believe Colin couldn't get away from the fact that he was created in the image of God. Just going to get beyond that. Created by God. Created in his own image. That same truth is for every single person on the planet. You, You don't come from being a monkey or whatever else they say out there. It just isn't true. You see, we all have an unredeemed spirit of God on the inside of humankind. And there is this God-sized hole in every single heart of every person on the planet throughout all of human history. There is that, that hole in their heart to know God and to connect with God and a desire to experience this amazing God who desperately loves you and I just the way you are. He loves you and me just the way we are. There's always a work in progress to change us from the inside out. But he loves us that much. So maybe today, maybe today you're sensing, maybe I need to make a move toward this God. Maybe today I need to understand that that, uh, maybe, just maybe my life can change as well. My friend, I believe, I believe that you and I have been called to be messengers. Every one of us that are believers today. And there's nothing more that I want than to hear you say as we walk out of here today. Don't say this was a good message for Randy Chiz. It wasn't all that good. But the fact of the matter is, I now have a direction to go in my life. I now need to be someone who's going to have an impact in the lives of those who are far from God. I need to be the messenger he's called us to be. I'm going to ask you if you'd please just bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. Those of you who are online. My friends who are there, I wish I could see you face to face as I'm doing this right now. But I'm sensing, I'm sensing that there are some people who are struggling right now. They're struggling with the idea that, you know what, I I, I don't know this God that this guy is talking about. I don't understand all of what's going on. But yet I'm feeling drawn. I'm feeling drawn to take a step. And my friend, I'm here to tell you, that's not just you wanting to make a decision, but it's the Holy Spirit who's helping you to make that move toward God. I'm not going to ask you to join my church. You're welcome to join here if you live in the area or whatever. I'm not asking you to do that. In fact, you don't even need to go to church in order to go to heaven. But you do need to believe in Jesus. You do need to receive Jesus in your life. So I'm going to pray a very, very simple prayer. And the prayer that I'm going to pray is going to be something that I'm going to ask you if you have not yet received Christ, if you have not yet given your life to Him, or maybe you did many years ago and you're back here and you're sitting back saying, man, it's been so long since I've heard something like this. And maybe, just maybe, it's your choice to receive Christ as your Savior as well. So I'm going to pray this prayer. I invite you to say it with me. Uh, You can say it out loud. You can whisper it. You can just move your lips. You can do it any way you want, but I want you to receive Christ. So pray this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, come on. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe in you. 
I admit to you, Jesus. Come on, say it. I admit to you, Jesus, that I am a sinner. Would you forgive me of my sin? In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Do you know the scriptures declare in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, listen, whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever believes in him. I'm not talking about the fact that you got to go to church. It says whoever believes in him, you'll have eternal life. So the steps are, again, accept responsibility, develop a relationship, share your personal story, and give a personal invitation. And you'll be so glad you did. For the people who have made that decision and that choice today, I'm going to ask you to do two things, and I'm going to walk out of here. Number one, I want you to do this. I want you to tell somebody that you know, especially if they're a Christian, but even if they're not, your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, whoever they may be, I want you to just tell them that you gave your life to Jesus today. I just want you to know, man, I gave my life to Jesus today. I did that with my, my oldest, my next older brother, Mike. You know, he was a hippie and he was in all kinds of trouble. He's still in a lot of trouble as far as I'm concerned. But anyhow, he, he, I said to him, and, and my story also helped him to have his story. So I'm asking you, number one, to tell that. And the second thing I'm going to ask you to do today is that I'm going to ask you to push the button that you will see on the internet there. You're going to see where you would be able to... Uh, uh, receive Christ and someone would pray with you if you would like somebody to pray with you hit that button and you will be able to have that happen I love you so much I really do thank you for being with us so glad that you're here God bless you have a great day hey man come on let's appreciate Pastor Randy coming and sharing with us live and in person